I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Alvarez, co-founder and CEO of Aurora Insight, a company that measures the availability of spectrum and wireless networks in rural parts of the U.S. and abroad, as well as David Hartshorn, CEO of Geeks Without Frontiers, a nonprofit organization working to address the digital divide globally. The two organizations have recently formed a partnership to tackle the lack of reliable wireless broadband in underserved parts of the U.S. and abroad. We get into the details and goals of that partnership, the challenges surrounding broadband mapping across the world, and more. Jennifer and David, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. I was hoping just to start off, if you could briefly introduce yourselves and tell me a bit about what each of your organizations do, that would be great. David, why don't we start with you? Sure. I serve as a chief executive officer for Geeks Without Frontiers. We're a U.S.-based global nonprofit organization with a mission to help to get access to and adoption of communications and connectivity-based solutions to those who don't have it. We are technology neutral, and a lot of our time is spent as a as problem solving. Most of the communities we are engaged in and working for, by definition, they're in that digital divide. So we're talking about low-income communities, tribal communities, conflict countries, refugee camps, disaster-affected populations, tricky spots. And around almost everything that we do, we begin our work in these communities on mapping. And that's going to be the recurring theme of this conversation. Jennifer, over to you. Thanks, David. And thanks, Nicole, for having us here. We're really excited to be part of the divide and this important conversation. So I'm Jennifer Alvarez. I'm co-founder and CEO of Aurora Insight. And we're a business analytics company. We produce some core products that are really maps. They are maps of spectrum use and maps of wireless network infrastructure. So our maps of spectrum use and wireless infrastructure are highly accurate and we're able to create these maps for any location, whether it's rural uh, areas of the world that are difficult to reach due to terrain or, or, or other obstacles. So we're unique in that we create our own source of data by measuring the radio frequency spectrum, the radio frequency environment. And then we apply advanced processing to extract information, information that otherwise just simply wouldn't be available. So what this means is that we're an independent and unbiased source of data. We're not tied to any network or network operator. We measure all networks, all frequencies, all technologies, and we don't rely on information that's just available publicly from mobile network operators or even the FCC or NTIA as sources of information. From our own measured data, we're able to create this unique information about how the spectrum is being used, where and for what, and wireless infrastructure that's supporting this spectrum. So relating this to the digital divide, wireless network infrastructure is really capital intensive. So the industry needs better ways to plan deployments, better ways to, to optimize networks, and ultimately better information to inform the decisions that they're making. And we provide exactly that information, and we do it especially efficiently in rural and, and hard to reach areas. That's fascinating. Are you operating your own fleet of aircraft or do you work with other partner organizations? Yeah, we work with other partner organizations. So we, we're able to lease aircraft time in order to make these surveys of remote areas. 
So can you share a concrete example from one of the communities that you've worked with of aerial mapping, revealing more accurate numbers on wireless access infrastructure than other methods? I, I can share many, many examples. I'll try to, to pare it down, though. So we are not just measuring the same things that, that other methods can measure. We get a much more complete data set about spectrum use, who's using it, where and how, and then the infrastructure that's on the spectrum. So we actually locate cell towers and we locate cell towers to a higher accuracy than any other method. We measure the built out on-air spectrum, what's actually in use versus what's licensed. And we do this in metro areas as well as rural and tribal areas. So when we talk about concrete examples, we can talk about examples from all over the world, including the United States, but other areas. So we've done work, for example, in South America, where we've had to survey very, very large regions of jungle area that are simply inaccessible by road. And so mapping that aerially and providing these maps of where there is connectivity, maybe where there's uh, Wi-Fi that's kind of been rigged up to go farther and longer distances to connect communities, we can map all of that and map the spectrum usage globally. So the reason I have you both here on the podcast is because you're in a partnership together. So why don't you tell me a bit more about that? What are you doing? What's going on? Circling back to my initial introduction of, of our organization, every single time, just about, that we go in to do a project for a community in any country of the world, uh, we have to first know who does and who does not have access to connectivity. There are two problems, two challenges associated with the answer to that question. We will usually find that there is data, that there has been some effort made by someone to conduct mapping to characterize who does and doesn't have access. And typically, that data is flawed, sometimes severely. At other times, there is absolutely no data. So it's, it's usually one or the other. That's what we keep running into. And what does that mean when there's flawed data? In every project that we go into, money is key. Who is going to pay for the delivery of the services for those who currently are unserved? And often, because these are remote areas uh, or very challenged areas in the case of conflict countries and refugee camps and disasters, the, the funds, or at least some of them, are going to come out of some government uh, resource allocation made for that type of community. And I say that type because often the data that governments are relying upon to make, as Jennifer has just said, informed decisions, the data that they are using to make the informed decision on who is eligible to receive the funding is flawed and will actually show that that community, oh, they're fine. They have coverage. They don't need funding access. And so you have major implications for inaccurate data. And then in other cases, as I said, there may be no data. So we struggle with this in almost every case when we go in to work with communities. And that compelled us <laughs> to find a specialist organization who is very conversant and capable on mapping. We're, we're always on the lookout for an organization that is agnostic. They can leverage whatever tools are cost-effective, quick, and accurate. And so when we met Aurora Insights, we were over the moon, and it wasn't long thereafter that we happily uh, engaged in this new partnership. That's so interesting. Jennifer, do you have anything to add? 
Oh, I would say that we're really excited about the partnership because our missions are so aligned. We are, our, our mission is to help more people get connected. And that's exactly what Geeks is trying to do also. So we're aligned in our mission and we're also very much uh, compatible in the roles that we play. So Geeks is able to identify opportunities, communities that are in need of connectivity. Geeks is able to identify uh, resources to help with funding of, of these communities and, and wireless infrastructure. And then complementary to that, we can do that mapping that says the infrastructure is just not, not uh, available right now or it's not adequate. And then as uh, we plan network deployments and they go in, we can then verify that the coverage and the performance is good after this, this investment has been made in the community. So where are you in terms of the stages of this partnership and what parts of the world are you going to be focusing on? Contrary to what Walt Disney said, it's a small world after all. It's big. Uh, and there are so many needs. There are literally billions of people who we're trying to reach. So we have to prioritize clearly. And approaching and working with communities where we can help to uh, develop plans or actual implementations of broadband networks, we really need access to financial resources that will enable these solutions not only to get stood up, but to keep them running and ideally to, to have them flourish in ways where they will become organically self-fulfilling and expand over time. Right now, the pandemic has a lot to say about how we are prioritizing. Pandemic relief funds have been articulated here, there, uh, around the world in exciting ways. The tra you know, it's been a, a horrible tragedy. It should go without saying uh, what has happened with the pandemic. But there is a silver lining in as much as these funds now, not everywhere, but increasingly, and I would say in a way that is historically without precedent, we see funds that are now targeted for communities that previously were having to go without access to these types of networks. But that window is closing. Those funds are going to go away. Right now, today, we're prioritizing communities on the basis of those who are eligible for access to these funds so that they can take greater level of control over their broadband destinies. And when we say broadband, we're not just talking about access to connectivity. We're talking about the services that flow through these networks. It's things like telehealth, distance learning, vocational training, gender empowerment, basic internet access and inclusion. This is like almost every form of human endeavor is enabled when you get these networks in place. So it's a tremendously exciting prospect for us together with Jennifer and her team to put on the table the communities that we can work together on right now. And that's, that's where we're at. I think you make a really interesting point about the funds being available in certain communities currently because of pandemic relief money and that being an indication of where you can work first. So are you able to work with other communities on securing funding so that they can start to begin to deploy projects and so that you're able to come in with an actionable plan? The short answer to that is yes, because everything is so fast moving and dynamic right now. Some of these uh, grant application deadlines are, they get announced and you have a one or two month window within which the applications are to be made. And for communities who have little or no experience in applying for these types of 
grants, wherever they are in the world, we have assembled a team of specialist grant writers <laughs> and that's going on right now. Thereafter, we have already developed teams who are working right now to address every subsequent stage once funds are received by the community. Basically, we're doing whatever the community needs help with. Do you need, do you have a strategic broadband plan? Usually one is needed for the grant application process. Do you know how to work with procurements, contracting, how to write a service level agreement to protect yourselves from non-compliant service providers once you've made the acquisition? Do you know how to develop business models around the network for whatever, water management, health, education, vocational training, as we were discussing? Do you know how to measure impact, human outcomes, working with the local government on regulation, policy, spectrum management, all of these things? The devil is definitely in the details. <laughs> and so our role as a nonprofit uh, is to find out where the gaps are for these communities and to help fill them together with the types of data that Jennifer's company is is generating. Jennifer, could I just ask you to to add to what I was just saying about the type of data that you provide? Because one of the exciting things, Nicole, about Aurora Insights is it's not just about mapping where there is and is not currently coverage of broadband services. You can also do overlays of correlated data sets, which is extremely exciting for us. Jennifer, would you mind sharing a little bit about that? As David said, we, we are a company that creates our own data source by measuring the RF spectrum, how it's being used, and then creating maps of infrastructure. But we do well beyond that. So with this fundamental mapping capability that we have of spectrum use and wireless infrastructure, we're able to do this for all of the technologies, whether it's 3G, 4G, 5G, Wi-Fi, IoT, we're also able to combine this vast amount of data that we collect with other data sets. So a very simple example is FCC license databases. Now, if you've worked with the FCC license database, it's not really user-friendly. There's a lot of nuances to it. And so we've created our own proprietary version of that and can overlay that onto our maps. We overlay demographics and population information, economic in information, and even terrain, so we understand you know, what kind of difficulties a mountainous region or a, a heavily jungled region would introduce to a wireless network that we're, we're helping to install. So with this ability to combine data sets, we're really uh, approaching more of a solutions-based um, offering rather than just a data set that one would have to figure out. And I would also say that I've mentioned it before, but we're especially efficient in rural areas and areas that aren't accessible by roads. And that's so important as we're looking at serving underserved communities or, or communities that just are, are geographically separated from others. And Jennifer, are you seeking to be involved or involved at all in the FCC's work to overhaul the government's mapping efforts? Well, that is such a hard problem. I mean, I... I applaud their efforts, FCC and NTIA. They've both tried to approach this. They've approached it from different angles, but it is a really hard problem. And it's not just an isolated problem to the United States. It's worldwide. It's a very hard problem because what do you do? Do you drive every square mile of the U.S.? No, you, you just can't. And so there are other ways that we have to be creative in trying to provide the information at the spatial resolution that's needed while doing it in a time and cost efficient manner. And so, yes, we're exploring ideas on how to do that um, and to provide the information 
the, the whole goal of that effort, right, is to make sure that underserved areas get the funding and they get the attention that they need to get the infrastructure. And so that's really the goal. And with that goal in mind, what are some, some creative solutions that we can provide with our unique mapping capabilities to help make those accurate maps to the resolution that's needed? I would just add to that, Nicole, if I may. You know, what's the challenge that the U.S. government has on having an accurate understanding of mapping data at any given moment is not in any way unique <laughs> to any other. Every other country in the world has the same challenge. And there's a general and broad recognition that this is a challenge. So that's good because it means that when we go into a country, wherever it is, there's a high level of recognition and that helps us uh, in getting the job done. One other thing I wanted to just add when Jennifer was was sharing her insights on other sources of related mapping data, those other sources, the originators of that data, for example, in health, if you wanted to correlate in communities, those who do not have access to broadband and what are the corresponding levels of standards of health for those same people, those become extremely compelling data sets. And where does that health-related data come from? Often it's it's a local health ministry or uh, a health nonprofit, or it just depends from country to country and community to community. And those organizations can and often are they partners with us. So it's our vision as part of the partnership that, that Geeks has with Aurora Insights that as we go country by country, region by region, project by project, we are welcoming of other partners to come in with us and, and, and to collaborate because definitely there is strength in numbers. These projects are by definition tough and we need all of the assistance. We need a coalition of the willing to, to have the highest measure of success. Well, I am very excited by everything you're doing, and I hope you'll keep me posted on your progress with this partnership and all of your work. It sounds like you're doing exactly what's needed right now. So thank you both for your time and for your excellent work. Thanks all. Thank you. Thank you again, Jennifer and David, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>